from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Gwen, a part of this that, that I feel like doesn't get talked about very much, you told us the other day that the technology to get utility companies to 100% green just doesn't exist yet. Can you, can you expand on that thought? Well, absolutely, and, and I'll tell you, Sarah, one of, the, one of the challenges that we've seen in companies being able to make commitments to net zero, the, the biggest one is around the fact that there just does not exist currently the technology to get you there. This is a place where the federal government absolutely has to have a commitment to, to moving that research and development forward to get us to those technologies that really will allow you to, to safely say, yes, I will be able to get to that net zero future because the technology exists. It does not currently. So the, the program that we have put together or the, the integrated resource plan that we have put together relies on those technologies that are available to us in the here and now. I'm Sarah Fenske. For Ameren, Missouri, climate pledges are great. They've made quite a few. They plan to hit net zero carbon emissions by 2050. But that's only one goal they have to hit. They're also intent on maintaining reliable and affordable service. And sometimes, they say, doing that can be at odds with scaling back emissions any faster. And joining us today to share the company's perspective is Gwen Mizell. She is Ameren's Vice President of Sustainability and Electrification. So, Gwen, welcome. Glad to be here, Sarah. Good afternoon. So, Gwen, you've said that Ameren, Missouri, is intent on transforming systems to clean energy and that you'll get there with what you call an integrated resource plan. What does that plan look like? So, Sarah, it's... Um, it's, I'm thrilled to be here to be able to talk about how we plan to get there. And it's important for the listeners to understand that as we get to a net zero carbon future, there is more than one element that we have to consider as we strike that plan. Uh, and we think about that as overall sustainability. Mm -hmm. And you might have heard the phrase environmental, social, and governance, ESG. So we have to balance all of those elements, the environmental elements, which means that we have to think about things like climate risk and carbon emissions reductions. But at the same time, we can't forget about the social impacts, the responsibilities that we have to our customers, communities, and coworkers, and how we maintain customer affordability and at the same time, overlaying all those things with a strong accountability framework so that we have a diverse board of directors and leadership team that ensures that we are being held accountable. And the fourth tenet of our sustainability framework is that we add growth, sustainable growth, to that framework. And we think about that as electrification. That's a way that we will grow, that we will decarbonize the economy, and lower costs for our customers. And we don't do any one of those four things without considering system reliability and customer affordability. So that's what's important to know as we built our integrated resource plan that we rolled out last year. 
So, Gwen, the Sierra Club has criticized you for not getting to 100 percent clean energy by 2030. Why is that? Why can't you just do that? <laughs> Why isn't it that simple? It, it, it's far from simple, Sarah. Um, as I said, I mean, there are so many aspects to this. It's not a single dimensional issue. There are many, many moving parts. And so as we think about how we decarbonize, yes, we are for getting to a net zero carbon future by 2050. We are absolutely for that. And we are running as fast as we can to decarbonize as rapidly as we can. But at the same time, we cannot compromise the system reliability and customer affordability. We've seen some of those impacts. Uh, I suspect some of the learnings that we'll have from Texas um, will be a part of those impacts. So we have to balance all of those elements. And as we've developed our integrated resource plan, we did in-depth analysis to look at a number of variables that will drive our business. You know, what will be the demand in the future? Will there be a carbon tax in the future? What will be the cost of fuel? Uh, there are so many variables. And you have to remember that customer affordability remains huge in system reliability. So mm -hmm. as we crafted the plan that we rolled out last year, all of those elements were considered. And the plan that we rolled out was the best solution that balances all of those elements and gets us there the fastest. Gwen, you mentioned learnings from Texas. Is this a matter of you have to be ready for that worst case scenario? If that happens, that we're all still counting on you for energy. Absolutely. I, I think that there are, you know, there are a lot of studies and analysis that are going on, analyses that are going on currently around exactly what happened in, in Texas. But I think it, um, you know, just kind of preemptively, we know that the supply of diverse energy has to be there. We heard quite a bit about the failure of the, the wind systems during the cold snap. Um, but likewise, there were issues associated with gas supply. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about the steps that we have to take in order to prepare our system for the future and to keep it reliable in light of the adverse weather events that we're seeing more frequently, we have to think about the investments to put in those heating systems that will keep the gas flowing or heating systems that will keep the renewable energy systems active even in sub-zero degree temperatures. And so that investment has to be put in place in order for those systems to work. And at the same time, we need a diversity of supply. So we can't just rely on just renewables, can't just re rely on just natural gas just nuclear, just coal. There needs to be a diversity of a supply in order to mitigate some of those issues that we saw um, and that were really epitomized in the Texas experiment. Gwen, a part of this that, that I feel like doesn't get talked about very much, you told us the other day that the technology to get utility companies to 100% green just doesn't exist yet. Can you, can you expand on that thought? Oh, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, Sarah, one of the one of the challenges that we've seen in companies being able to make the commitments to net zero, the, the biggest one is around the fact that there just does not exist currently the technology to get you there. Hmm. And so companies, as you might imagine, hesitate to put a commitment out there where there doesn't exist a, a current pathway. Hmm. So one of the things that we are really for, if you think about the things that Ameren is for, I said that we are for a net zero by 2050 
carbon future. We are for significant funding for clean energy and R&D systems. And so if you think about how we get there, the, the carbon capture and, and storage kinds of solutions, hydrogen, the types of research that we'll need to get us there, those are big issues. And we can't do that without the federal government making a significant commitment to research and development. Now, sure, AMRIN works with EEI, Edison Electric Institute. We work with EPRI on a low carbon resource initiative. And we will work, we will do our part to try to move that technology ball forward. But it's such a heavy lift that this is a place where the federal government absolutely has to have a commitment to, to moving that research and development forward to get us to those technologies that really will allow you to, to safely say, yes, I will be able to get to that net zero future because the technology exists. It does not currently. So the, the program that we have put together or the, the integrated resource plan that we have put together relies on those technologies that are available to us in the here and now. We're talking to Gwen Mizell. She's Ameren's Vice President of Sustainability and Electrification. Gwen, speaking of the federal government, there's this Green New Deal for cities that a bunch of progressives, including our own Cori Bush, has put forward. I was curious to see in its fine print that it specifically bars any of those funds being spent on nuclear energy. Do you think environmentalists are wrong to make nuclear a non-starter? Well, you know, uh, different groups have different perspectives. When we look at some of the necessities that that have to be in place in order for us to get to our our carbon our clean energy future uh, we feel and i feel like most of our peers that we work with through the edison electric institute feel that nuclear is a key component of any portfolio as we go forward uh, when you look at the plans of not only amarin but you look at the plans of of an aep or southern company you see nuclear as a part of those futures and nuclear is a zero carbon resource a really safe reliable resource and as a part of our integrated resource plan you will note that we have a commitment to look at extending the operating license of our callaway energy center beyond its current life of 2044 um, in as a part of our going forward plan I feel, and I think most people in the industry feel, that we cannot safely get there without nuclear being a part of that uh, framework. Hmm. So we were talking earlier on the show about all the legislation that was passed in the final days of, of the session um, in Missouri. And one of the things that got across the finish line there is legislation that would allow Missouri utilities to speed their transition to renewable energy because it would allow you to refinance and shutter coal-fired power plants faster without taking a big financial hit. This is a process called securitization. Tom actually emailed us with a question about this. He says, now that this has been passed, if and when the governor signs the bill, will Ameren look to use this tool to close coal, coal, close coal plants prior to the planned 2042 date? Might that speed things up on your end or no? You know, Sarah, so you mentioned the operative word, which is tool. Uh, securitization, uh, and we appreciate the securitization work that's been done. We are supportive. Um, we are appreciative of the fact that it's headed to the governor's desk. Um, that is something that we will look at as a tool in our toolbox going forward. Uh, the basis for our current plan, 
our current integrated resource plan as presented in September of 2020 does not factor in securitization. Hmm. Um, and so we have a plan that we feel is a strong plan to get us there. We will look very closely and analyze the um, the, the implications of securitization. We are supportive of it, but right now it is not a part of our plan, but we certainly look at it as a valuable tool. Hmm. One last thing I wanted to ask you about. You recently made a $1.1 billion acquisition of two wind facilities in the state, including the state's largest. Uh, that produces enough energy to power 120,000 homes. And you also recently announced plans for your largest solar facility to be built later this year in Montgomery County. How significant are these facilities in terms of your overall portfolio? These the renewables that we are investing in are absolutely critical to our plan. I mean, our plan is one that basically is predicated on on several pillars. Uh, basically, for us to get to our net zero, we are going to and have committed to accelerating the retirement of our of several coal plants, such that by the by the time you get to 2040, all of our coal has been retired. Um, but a major element of that is that, um, I'm sorry, by the time you get to 2042, not 2040, all of our coal has been retired. But a major element of that is the addition of renewables at a pace that that are coming into our system that retains the system reliability. Uh, And so the additions of renewables, the, the two wind projects, that one that went into operation in 2020 and the other that's, that's going into operation 2021, that's a big deal. The solar facilities are a big deal. By the time we get to 2040, we will have added 5,400 megawatts of new, clean, reliable energy to our system. That is a big deal. And I think one of the biggest signals that we had that renewables are a major part of our strategy is the fact that for the very first time we have um, appointed a chief renewables officer, and I believe you may have spoken with Ajay Arora, mm. but that is the renewables aspect of this is, is really huge. But I can't overstate the fact that we have to continue to invest in our grid and invest in transmission in an effort to ensure that these renewables are adaptable to our system, that we can indeed add these renewables to the system. So we have to make the grid smarter. We have to continue to add new meters as as we are doing in Missouri. Well, Gwen Mizell, uh, Vice President of Sustainability and Electrification for Ameren, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate the time. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.